Hello everyone and welcome back to an all-new episode of Conversation of Change. My name is Karen and I am a change maker with Make the Change, a social enterprise in Singapore offering learning programs to tertiary students and persons with disabilities. We also offer creative services to businesses as well as educating corporates about CSR. So get ready to be uplifted today by our special guest Thomas Ng, whose inclusive business model has provided employment for persons with disabilities, PWDs, LGBT and elderly individuals remotely from anywhere in the world. This is so important as according to the United Nations in 2019, in developing countries itself, the about 80-90% of PWDs of working age are unemployed. So hi Thomas, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us today. I think it's so great that you're advocating for gainful employment for PWDs. Perhaps uh, you can share with us how this all started, like what made you see and fill this gap? Okay, so my background is uh, corporate. I'm a corporate person. I worked in uh, multinational companies for 25 years, of which the last 15 years I was as an expat. And um, I retired from corporate life. Um, I was, I think, only 47 years old. Mm. And um, I was at that time uh, a country manager and president for Asia Brown Bouveri, a Swiss company in the Philippines. And mm. But then I was caught on a garden leaf kind of a clause. I was stuck there for an additional year. And the, during that time, I wasn't allowed to do much. So I ended up joining the board of trustees of a computer school for the blind. And, uh, and of course, I was curious, like, how can blind people use the computer, right? And this was like in 2004. And, um, and when, I, when I saw how they performed, I was totally amazed, you know. And this organization had trained 500 blind people to use a computer, but almost none of them were working. So I tried to put them into positions and jobs. I knew a lot of, you know, my friends were running companies and all that, right? Mm. Um, uh, but after two and a half years, I couldn't succeed. Although there's a lot of interest, but implementation, you know, is so difficult. So I decided that these people can work, I felt. And so I thought I will start my own company and hire them. And But what am I going to do with them? So uh, at that time, I was also asked to help a uh, online MBA program from Singapore or mm -hmm. um, U21 Global. Uh, and I looked at this model, I thought e-learning was actually uh, something for the future. And since, you know, everything is done online and people can, you know, uh, uh, do it from anywhere. Mm. So that was how it started. I mean, uh, we were very early in the game with e-learning. Um, mm. And that was very painful for the first seven to eight years <laughs> because <laughs> nobody wanted to talk to us. Um, so it took us a long time to, to, to get the company, um, you know, moving. Uh, but the journey has been, I think, has been good. So that's how it started. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for sharing. And uh, I understand that Jinesh Team is actually the second company in the whole of Southeast Asia to be certified B Corp back in 2015. And also, that's I read true. that you, you guys subscribe to a triple bottom line concept. So profits, people mm. and planet. So can you tell us more about this concept? So actually, um, yeah, because this is something that was also new to us. When we started the company, we actually didn't think about the 3P uh, um, concept. Mm. But, you know, as we were kind of, you know, uh, um, along the way, you know, we, we came across this thing. And it's very appropriate for us because uh, we are for-profit social enterprise. We decided, I decided from the very beginning that we have to be for-profit for two very simple reasons. I felt that if you're not for profit, it's very hard to sustain. 
Uh, because if you if you're dependent on people giving you money, donations, and everything, then every year you got to keep you know going back for the donations. If people start to not giving you donations, you got to look for other people to give you donations so you will continue what you want to do, right? You can't sustain and you can't scale. So, for example, if I can do what I'm doing with a hundred thousand dollars given to me every year, if I want to do twice as much, I got to go and look for two hundred thousand dollars, right? Yes. So how do you want to scale this? So so for us is that um, it's it's done in the business. The more business we do, the more profit we make, and the more we can serve the community, right? Mm. So so that's actually why we go for for profit. So that's why that's the first P, profit. Yeah. And I always say that you can have very noble ideas, you have very kind heart and everything, but if you're not financially sustainable, you're of no use to anyone, right? So what if I have very good intentions? I got no money. What what to do, right? So first of all, has to be profit. Then the second one is the people. And so uh, we uh, set up to provide employment for what we call marginalized communities. We started by people who are, have disabilities, mm-hmm. and uh, we then we then, I think two years ago we started to hire refugees. So mm-hmm. now we have about twenty percent of our employees are refugees from in the yeah. Middle East who are stuck in Indonesia, right. and then. Um, and then uh, we have started to hire last year also seniors. So anybody who's mm. above 60 is considered seniors. Mm. We have uh, quite a few LGBTQ, mm. HIV infected um, women in oppressed environments. So we hire women in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, you know, who oh, are qualified, okay. but, you know, it's very hard for them to get into the workforce, you know. Uh, some of them are not even allowed to go out, you know. <laughs> so how can you mm, go to work, yeah. right? So, so that's actually the people part. Um, and then the last P is actually planet. And um, the way that we run our business, we have today 130 employees across more than 10 countries across mm-hmm. six continents. Okay. Okay. So we have people in Venezuela, Mexico, Jamaica, Ghana, Zimbabwe, Macedonia, South Africa, and right across to Asia, Philippines, China, Vietnam, and all that. So, um, so we are totally 100% cloud-based and today the sexy term is remote work. So we have been 100% <laughs> remote work for more than 12 years. Mm, and uh, and so being remote work, that means people don't commute to go to work. Yep. Everything is digitalized. We don't mm-hmm. have much paper, very little paper. Mm. We don't have an office. We don't, you know, mm. create waste. We don't. So in that sense, we are a very green company. We are carbon yeah. footprint. It's actually very, very small. That's and true, in yeah. fact, only the only person responsible for adverse effect on the on the uh, planet is me, because I'm <laughs> the one who travel around begging for right. business. You know? Because right, you have right. to go beg for business, right? Yeah. But the good thing about COVID nineteen is that uh, I don't have to, I don't have to go in person to beg for business. I can beg for business on Zoom. On Zoom, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so so you need to go and see them. I can talk to them on Zoom and uh, and and beg uh... for business, right? So. So in that sense, we are 3P. So we are yep. friendly to the planet in the way we do things. And mm. then uh, we are for profit and we are for people. Okay, that sounds so great. And you mentioned people, you know, across so many countries and continents. With that that amount of stuff, how do you kind of delegate? Like, how, how do you take the time to know each person and what they're good at? You know, like delegate uh, what they can do and what part of the business they can help your company with? Okay, so it's actually no different. I think it's a it's a bit of a mindset when people talk about remote work. I still, mm. you know, in the last I would say maybe seven eight years, I've been talking mm. about this remote work model to a lot of people, and they cannot understand. 
They say, Thomas, how do you do this? How does it work? How do you have remote work? But you know, guess what? In the last year, everybody does remote work. <laughs> mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so, but, but, but actually, I mean, I attend a lot of webinars to talk about remote work and everything. But actually, most people, I don't think anybody has actually got it yet, right? Mm-hmm. So what they do is they just say, okay, remote work means you communicate with Zoom. That's it, right? right? But mm-hmm. then a lot of people are talking about mental health, uh, this, uh, that, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, right? So so people have actually adopted the technology only, mostly, okay. right? Okay. So that's the yeah. first part of, of, of remote work. And we we use a lot more technology than people are talking about today, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and because so many years, right? Then the second thing is the, the second most more difficult thing to do is actually processes. So you have your processes to be different because everybody is, there's no office anywhere in our, in our case, right? Right. And, um, and so that the processes has to be developed and we develop this over so many years, right? But mm. the third part, the most difficult part is actually culture. Mm, like yeah, you say, right, how right. do you, how do you, you know, uh, see the people are, are performing and, and how do you, how do you manage it, manage the performance, how the supervisors manage, all this is a culture thing, right? Mm. So we do a lot of things and we develop over time, which, you know, I listen to all these webinars conducted by top companies around the world. They don't mm. address this issue, right? For mm. example, just last year, let's give an example. Huh? Yeah. Uh, okay, we, we have a, a, a thing in the company called Tribes. Tribes. Oh, tribes. Okay. So, so we have departments in the company. So... Mm-hmm. If there are now maybe eight departments in the company. So each department will have their weekly calls to coordinate work and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. In fact, many mm-hmm. of them, the sections under each department, they have daily what we call touch base meetings. Okay. So so it's a 10-minute call for okay. a team of about five people, generally mm-hmm. four, four to five people. They just mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the supervisor will just say, So what have you what were you busy with yesterday and what are you busy with today? Just to have mm-hmm. an idea about the loading of the staff and whether the projects are supposed to be running are actually running and kind of thing, right? Right. And also to keep in touch with the people, right? Yes. And then the departments have their weekly calls, right? Uh-huh. But the thing is yep. that in the department there is no contact. There are very little contact. So we created tribes that are representatives mm-hmm. of each different department. So the eight departments of oh. one tribe is eight people. Right. So they get together, there's a process we use to talk about personal issues, to talk about family issues, to talk about work issues. So, so we do these kind of things. These are, and there are many, many things to do in the company, yeah. which I think most companies haven't figured out yet, you know. Mm. Just to talk about something else and speaking on behalf of youth from Singapore, on, speaking on behalf of youth mm. in Singapore, some of us might be faced with not knowing how to interact or work with PWDs because maybe perhaps you're not as exposed as often. So mm-hmm. it might lead to like some stereotypical misconceptions or what perception. So what advice would you give to like people who feel this way or people who don't really know how to find their way around it? Yeah, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a difficult one, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I think that um, um, a lot of my friends also, you know, uh, you yeah. know, sometimes when I travel, I have functions and I invite you know, like if I go to Manila, I'll gather my colleagues together. If I go to KL, I'll gather my colleagues together. Singapore, mm. we also have a few uh, PWD colleagues. And so sometimes you invite my friends to kind of, you know, have a meal together. And mm. actually, a lot of them say that, you know, I don't, we don't know how you do it, but we are not very comfortable, you know, right. sitting next to a person that's, uh, you know. And um, and I think that's something that's quite uh, quite hard. I really don't have an answer. Mm. Uh, but 
I'd like to tell you know young people they are like everybody you know um, they they are you know and if you get to know them it's actually um, I just find it uh, very rewarding right and uh, for me the the rewarding part is that when you are up close with these people and you understand how they go about their lives and and how they they struggle and how they make something out of their lives and how they are so happy you know uh, your own self, your of sense of uh, being, your, your feeling, actually, you're much, much happier. Uh, you make yourself much happier with your own life. Right. And I think for me, that's yeah. the biggest gift in doing this, you know, is, is then your expectations for yourself have are not so high anymore because, you know, you were... Uh, I give an example. There's, there's yeah. one girl named Teresa. She lives in Cebu in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And she actually is paralyzed from the neck down. So she okay. cannot operate the computer at all and only by voice. Mm. And she is dependent on a ventilator. She cannot breathe on her own. Okay. So 24 hours, seven days a week, she has to be on a ventilator. Right. And you know, Therese works for us now for, I don't know, six, seven years already. Mm. And she's one person, every time I talk to her, she's always very happy. So then you think about, <laughs> Therese can be happy in her condition. Then, you know, what problems do I have, right? Yes, exactly. You know, you can compare, mm. right? So I think that's a great gift if people can understand that and get to learn about how other people's lives are mm. and develop that empathy about it. I think that's very important. Mm. Right. I think you actually answered my next two questions because I was going to ask you, um, you know, uh, of course, working with people from marginalized communities, there might be a lot of roadblocks along the way, but um, what were some of like the moments or interactions that made you feel like you know all the struggles were, were, were worth it well certainly to see them um, excel and see them happy and see them make something out of their lives you know um, uh, I think it's certainly very rewarding but then mm. I mean if you talk about when to talk about roadblocks there are many many roadblocks right mm. yeah 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 <laughs> So uh, I think uh, you know I can spend another hour talking about the challenges. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, and also as much as you're such a huge inspiration to a lot of people and myself included, especially after what you just shared, um, can you tell me about some of the people apart from PWDs that have inspired you and like what what do you learn from them along the way? Um, so apart from the PWD, I, yeah. we also did quite a bit of work with, um, with the refugees in Indonesia, right? So mm. um, most of them are from Afghanistan. In fact, Afghanistan. I think most of them are from the Hazara tribe. Hazara tribe. I don't know how much you all know about the Hazara tribe. The Hazaras are the descendants of the Mongols. Ah, okay. So in Afghanistan, they look a little bit different from mm. the other people uh, because mm. they have a bit of a mix. In fact, um, they are very lovely, beautiful looking people. Uh. The men mm. are very good looking. The women are also very elegant looking. And um, and they are, I think they are Shia Muslims and Afghanistan mostly are Sunni. So Sunnis and Shia uh. have been fighting each other. So that's the reason why they have been, you know, all they were run, running out and being refugees. Right. And, uh, and they end up in Indonesia as mm. refugees, but then they are stuck there. Many of them now more than will be stuck there for more than 20 years. Huh? Mm. And uh, so what they do is that they have no rights, right? So their children mm. don't have right for schooling. So they actually set up their own learning centers. So the adults, they teach as volunteers mm. to, the, to, the, to their own community students. So they're actually helping their own communities. And, 
and it's quite sad i mean it's well sad it's also heartwarming is that they actually themselves are in such a dire situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of you know being depressed over it they are actually you know <laughs> volunteering to help other people in the community right. and uh, we started engaging with them in 19 uh, 2018 and uh, and i think i mean i went to visit them uh, uh, we were introduced to them by the jesuit refugee services people in singapore Mm-hmm. So it was who introduced me to them and said, look, Thomas, can you look at employing some of these people? And right. when they sent the resumes to me, I was really quite uh, amazed because these are not my... When you think about refugees, you think these are rough and tough people who... Right, you know, yeah, yeah. All this. But no, I mean, these are people who, ha- who are uh, educated. They were middle-class families. They had a house. They had a car. Many of them have got, you know, Apple MacBooks, you know what I mean? Mm. And... Because they were persecuted, they have to sell everything, pack up and leave, you know. Mm. And uh, educated, they have degrees, they have, uh, men, I mean, I came across somebody who worked 15 years for Citigroup, <laughs> you know. Oh. Yeah, I mean, right. and look for Hilti, a Swiss company and all that. So, I mean, then, uh, but of course they cannot work. But so we, mm. we actually find a way for them to work online for us, you know. Right. And, uh, and that was very rewarding because... You, you you come across some of them who really were on the verge of um, uh, oblivion like you know you know kind of like staring you know there's nothing for them like the families and young mm-hmm. children and all that and then right. suddenly they are able to work and then and I still remember this the first one that we hired I remember I went to see him and had dinner in his house when I went to uh, visit him mm-hmm. and and he showed me a message one of his friends needed help because you know he was going to be kicked out of his house couldn't pay the rent anymore and all that mm-hmm. and he gave half his first drawn salary to his friend wow that's... So I said to him, I said, How on earth? he's not going to be able to pay you back you know mm. and then you know he said to me he said thomas you know uh, god found a solution for me i'm sure my god will find a solution for my friend also <laughs> wow that's very that's very um, yeah. so big-hearted thought, of you know, him Yeah, yeah and, and there we are. I mean, this guy had no job for so many years. Yeah. Struggling to survive. He gets mm. his first salary, he gives half it to a friend. And it's not that we pay him a lot of money, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah, really such a heartwarming story. And I think yeah. we can all learn from that. Yeah. Like no matter how much we have, you know, if you can afford to give, then give because, you know, you right. always receive from that. Yeah. Um, I think that's all the time we have for today, unfortunately. But thank you so much for speaking with me, Thomas. We've taken so much away from today, especially from your different stories that you've shared. Thank you so much for being on the show. And we wish you all the best and a great year ahead. Thank um, you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for you guys listening, uh, I hope that you've also gained some valuable insights from Thomas about building a more inclusive community and how we can be more open-minded to uh, people who are different from us. Head to our website at makethechange.sg for more information on how we do business for good and stay tuned to the next episode of Conversation of Change.